morning. Morning, everybody. Is it on? It's always a privilege to be up front here and uh, just to share with you guys. Um, but let's just open in a word of prayer. Your Father God, thank you. Thank you for this time of worship, Lord. Thank you that we can gather as, as a family. And as I look out across everybody here, Lord, it's just wonderful to have so many family members, Lord. So many people that we can call brother and sister in you. So many people that we do life with together, Father. And just thank you for putting us together, Lord. Thank you that you meet with us on a Sunday, Lord. But that you're with us every single day, Lord. Every moment of the day that you're guiding us and prompting us, Lord. And just help us, Lord, to respond and be obedient. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you to Disney. Well done. You're feeling more relaxed there at the back now. But uh, yeah, it's really fantastic to have people come forward and share... Um, it's difficult to come forward and share about yourself. I'm also a lot more comfortable talking about Jesus or talking about numbers because I'm a finance guy than talking about yourself. It, it's tough to be vulnerable and to come forward and, and share about your life and your parents and stuff like that. So, so well done. I just want to encourage everybody else. You know, let's, let's step forward. Let's be obedient. When you get prompted, um, come, come and speak to the elders and say, I've got a test me that I want to share they might ask you to just run through it with, with them, and then the next week you can bring that testimony. So it's really encouraging, and you'll probably remember more of what Disney said today than what I've said. So be obedient and bring your testimony. So today I want to speak about sheep. And, you know, the, uh, the Bible, in the Bible we read so much about sheep. Jesus teaches on sheep, and uh, David talks about, uh, David's got Psalm 23 that we all know very well, and there's a lot of references to sheep and the shepherd. But there's one, for me, there's one really overriding attribute between the sheep and the shepherd. And that is knowing the shepherd. So that is my title this morning, Knowing the Shepherd. So we'll run through quite a bit about sheep today. But that is really the one thing that I want you to leave with here today. Is that we need to get to a point where we know the shepherd. So if we can put up, uh, Nina, if we can put up John 10, 14 to 15, please. Jesus, now this is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. So Jesus, they brings it in straight away. And he's saying that what makes the relationship so important between the sheep and the shepherd is that knowing. So not only does the, sh the shepherd know each of the sheep. Am I okay? Not only does the shepherd know the sheep, he knows their names, he knows their behaviors, but the sheep also know the shepherd. And it's quite amazing um, that you know, they can have a whole lot of sheep together in one pen with multiple shepherds. And when that one shepherd says, right, let's go, his sheep know to follow. Why? Because they know his voice. And if there's one of his sheep that doesn't know his voice, it's going to be left behind. And once all the other shepherds clear, clear their sheep, he's going to be left in the pen. So it's quite an amazing relationship that um, Jesus talks about here. And of course, the people in those days, they understood the relationship between shepherds and sheep because they were dealing a lot with that. And Jesus did that in his parables. He did that in his teaching. He used pictures that people could understand of the day. And it's actually pictures that we can understand uh, today as well. We think we probably smarter than the people of those days. Um, they knew a lot about, more about sheep than we do. But um, we can picture that relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, that when he calls them out, 
that they know his voice. And when he calls them back, even more important. So when he whistles for them to come back into the pen, that they all recognize his voice and come, come back in. So this, this account, if you can just stick it back up again, please. So this teaching that Jesus did was just after um, he'd healed the man that was born blind. So you remember that story? There was a guy born blind. Jesus healed him. And this guy was just overflowing after that. He was so excited and he was running around telling everybody. And he was in the synagogue and he was telling the Pharisees. And of course, they were getting a bit miffed with him. They didn't like this guy now. Almost like, and they said, are you trying to teach us now? So they were getting a little bit angry with him. And they actually threw him out of the church. And Jesus got to hear about this. And he went to the Pharisees and he spoke to them a little bit about dark and light. And then he went into this teaching really on, or sermon you can even call it, on the Good Shepherd. We started, and what he was trying to do there was teach those Pharisees the heart of the shepherd because they were overseers and they were leading people but totally with the wrong heart. You know, totally knowing about God but not knowing God. And he was teaching them and the people around about this proper relationship that there should be between the shepherd and the sheep where it's a real knowing and not just a, a knowing of. So I mean they would have understood the term shepherd as well um, outside of the sheep context, because uh, anyone that was maybe a spiritual leader or a political leader, they would have called a shepherd at the time as well. So the Pharisees certainly understood where he was coming from with this teaching of shepherd and sheep. And the people standing around would have also understood that relationship. So it was uh, Jesus really speaking to the Pharisees, but also to the people standing around. So what does it mean to know? So if you, if you think of the relationships in your life, so you've got your immediate family that you probably know a lot better than your uh, extended family. Am I right? And then you've got people here in the church that might be in community with you. So you know them better than you maybe know the rest of the congregation. And then you might have a colleague that you share an office with and maybe you know him or her better than you know your other colleagues. So what's the big difference that leads us to know other people so much better? It's really spending time with them and listening to their voice. And that's really the main message for me today, is if we want to know Jesus instead of just know about him and know God instead of just knowing about him, it's spending time with him and it's listening to his voice. That's what makes the difference. And we see it in our relationships, don't we? The more you spend time, you start finishing, finishing each other's sandwiches, as it says in the movie, or finishing each other's sentences. Because we just, when something happens, or you're watching a movie, or something happens along the road, and you straight away you, you and your spouse think the same thing, or you and your best friend think the same thing as well. Billy Graham says that many of us know about God, but that is quite different from knowing God. And I think a lot of people use the analogy of a celebrity. So you might be hooked on this one singer or actor, and you follow them on all the social media platforms and you've got posters up on your walls and you, you're interested in what they're doing and you know when they're born and all these sort of things. So you know a lot about them, but again, you don't know them. And they probably don't know you at all. You know, so unless you're a really crazy fan <laughs> and they've got a restraining order against you. <laughs> but generally, we don't, we don't know those celebrities. Yeah, so we need to get to know Jesus' voice like the sheep know the shepherd's voice. So that when Jesus says, come, or Jesus says, wait, or Jesus says, listen, 
that we actually can recognize his voice. And of course, the more we tuned in to Jesus' voice, the more we can recognize the voice of a stranger. And in that same text, Jesus says the sheep will recognize the voice of the shepherd against the voice of the stranger. So when the robber or the stranger breaks into the pen, they, they realize it's not the shepherd because they know the shepherd. And the more we get to know our great shepherd, the more we can hear the voice of the stranger. So we've all got voices, we've got temptations coming our way that try and pull us away, even distractions that try and pull us away from the things of, of the Lord. And the more we're tuned into his voice, the more we can block those out and say, hang on, I know that's not his voice. That's a voice that's trying to distract me. Uh, also, another interesting thing is bummer lambs. Have you heard the term bummer lambs? don't know what the Afrikaans is, sorry. But these are lambs that are rejected by the ewe, the mother, the mother lamb. So there's various reasons why a ewe might, um, an ewe, might reject her, her lambs. And once she's made that decision, she doesn't take him back. And if the shepherd tries to force that relationship, she might actually get aggressive and hurt, hurt the lamb. So a bummer lamb is a lamb that the shepherd then takes in. And he puts him, puts him by the fire, nurtures him, puts him under the blanket, you know, like our little doggies at home where they get special treatment and the big dog's standing by the window looking in and the little one is under the blanket next to the fire, bowl of milk, and the big one's out in the rain with, a, with hard pellets. Can you picture that difference? So, so hopefully they don't, uh, hopefully the, the big sheep don't have a go at the little one. So he raises this bummer lamb as, as his own almost, and then reintegrates him into the herd. And when the shepherd calls for the sheep to come back, guess who runs first? The bummer lambs are the one that run first. Not because they are loved more, but because they know they are loved. They really understand the love of the shepherd because they felt that intimacy. They've been right up against his heartbeat, feeling him as he cuddles them. And the closer we get to Jesus and the more we feel his love and feel his heartbeat, the faster we will run back to him. So I'll try and do the next part without getting emotional, but my best friend from school was just here for two weeks and he went back on Friday, Gavin. Uh, some of the guys in the prayer group uh, know a little bit about him. And uh, we were, I knew of him and sort of about him from grade two to grade nine. And then from grade 10, we became big buds. So you know you get all the, the different groups in the school. You get the cool kids and the clever kids and the skateboard kids and we were the joking kids. We had our own joke book that we had at school. <laughs> Not all the jokes I would share, yeah, but uh, in, in, um, in my BC days. But we became really good friends from grade 10. So we've known each other over 30 years, to give part of my age away, and, and we know each other. So he's been in the UK now a long time. He's raised his kids there. But it's really interesting that he comes over here and we pick up like he hasn't been away because we know each other so well, but I don't know his children because I've never spent that same amount of time with these kids. So Joy and I had dinner with him a few times and just asking him, like, what are your kids like? And what do they like? And what's their personality? And which one's the joker like you? And just getting to know them a little bit because I haven't spent time with these kids as opposed to the many years that I spent with him, you know, gymming together, uh, laughing together, going to school together, church together, uh, teaching Sunday school together, you know, all these things. So we got to know each other really well. 
And it just shows that difference in not spending time with people that I don't know his kids at all. So, and when we Skype, you know, they'll say hello from the background, but they're like mm, that funny uncle in Cape Town, you know, that we don't have that cool relationship like Evan and I have. So it really, again, just reinforces the, the, the impact it has, just spending lots and lots of time with people, early mornings, late nights. And of course, Joy and I have been together so long, also since end of high school, so he's got a very good relationship with Joy as well. So the three of us had such a wonderful time just catching up. And um, now she's got a slightly different relationship with him again. So she will um, uh, remember things and, that's the word I'm looking for, like reminisce over things with him, different things to what I do. Because she's got also a very close relationship, but a slightly different relationship. Okay, if we can get back into the word. John 17 verse 3. So Jesus, this is a big thing for Jesus, that we get to know him as the shepherd. So it's not just that one text in John 10. We see it really dotted throughout the Bible. And we see here where Jesus is praying for the disciples. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So when he's praying, he's praying that the disciples will get to know him, will get to know God, because he's starting to prepare now to leave. And that's the main thing for him that he wants to leave with them is that they know God, that they don't drift away from God. And that, of course, what he's praying for them applies to us as well. He's praying that over us as well. And then in the men's prayer on Friday morning, I think a lot, of, a lot has lined up this, this week. But if you can turn to John 14, verse 69. So Shaul mentioned this in the prayer meeting on Friday morning, when Jesus, uh, what Jesus says to Philip. So Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. So, so Jesus is saying, if you, if you know me, then you know my Father. I am a reflection. I am my Father. I am a reflection of my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, that, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus just questioned him and said, listen, you, you, you said you've, um, you've been with me such a long time. How can you, how can you say, show me the Father? You should, you should know the Father because you know me. And we need to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of walking with Jesus but not knowing him. So again, I've mentioned this before, it's easy in a church like this where Brian's saying, everybody get involved. So everyone generally is involved and, and the river's moving along. And it's easy to, for anyone to just jump in and get swept along by the river and you don't really need to paddle yourself. And we want each person here really finding Jesus for yourself, serving for yourself and not just being swept along by this river. And we, you know, we keep trying to make the river stronger and stronger here so that we're moving together in the same direction. But we don't want anybody just drifting along in the river, not paddling for themselves. That makes sense. Okay. And then Psalm 100, verse 3. Sorry, from verse 1, I think I gave you. So Psalm 100, it's only five verses. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his name 
So what I like about this psalm is it's a, it's a psalm of thanksgiving and praise. And right in the middle, it says, know that he is God and that you are his sheep. It looks almost out of place there, but it's totally in the right place. Because the more we know him, the more we understand our role as the sheep and that we need to follow him as the shepherd, the, so much more we will be thankful for. It's almost like that Bama lamb again that is so grateful and so feels so loved that all it can do is just want to get to the shepherd and just want to praise him and, and love him. Okay, so let's have a look. So we've spoken about what it means to know. Let's have a look at the nature then of the shepherd. And what's the best psalm for that, to see what the nature of the shepherd is? Psalm 23. Okay, so Psalm 23, we're not going to put it up on the board. I think you all know it well enough that you can quote it to me. But if, we, if you read through Psalm 23, you really see the heart of the shepherd coming through. Things like he sees to our needs. So the shepherd feeds the sheep. He makes sure that they've had water. If they get sick, he medicates them. If they injure themselves, he tapes up their leg. So he really sees to everything they need, as Jesus sees to our needs. And we're so quick to get anxious and think, oh, I've got this week coming, or I've got the end of the month is still 20 days away. How am I going to cope? And are we putting our needs before the great shepherd? Rest. You know, we often don't rest enough. And what does the shepherd do? He makes them lie down in green pastures. So the shepherd knows when the sheep need rest, and he won't let them go too far. He will make sure that they do rest. So are we getting enough rest? To Are we going to the shepherd for our rest as well? To make sure that we are resting in him and that we're not burning ourselves out trying to do it in our own strength. He leads them in safe paths. So the shepherd won't lead the sheep off a cliff into the thorn bushes or into the lion's den. He leads them on safe path. And we also need to trust Jesus that he is going to lead us on safe path. Now we also overthink things and think, oh, I feel like Jesus is saying this, but this can't be. This, this is not going to work. But we need to trust that he's going to lead us on the right paths. He keeps them safe and he comforts them. So again, the shepherd is there. He protects the sheep. If something attacks, then he comforts, or he, sorry, he protects them. And if they get hurt or they're feeling bewildered, like we often do, then he will comfort them. So I think there's quite a, um, yeah, sorry, if we, if we just look at John 10, if we, um, that John 10 that we started with, in that same text, it says that the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So that's part of that keeping them safe, but he lays down his life for the sheep. And Mornay spoke about it recently, about David eh, as the shepherd boy. And that David really protected the sheep like a proper shepherd. Whereas if you've got the hired hand or the employee, you're not going to expect the same from him. He's going to say, well, mm, I don't think the 10 bucks that I'm getting is, uh, is worth fighting off this wolf over here. Whereas the true shepherd, he will lay down his life. He'll fight whatever comes at the sheep. He will fight it off. And we see more of the nature of the shepherd in Matthew 18. I think this parable we know well. You can put that one up, thanks. Matthew 18, we know this well, the parable of the lost sheep. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds that, I tell you the truth, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that 
any one of these little ones should be lost. And that's really, you know, from the prayer meeting this morning to the testimonies that were done up front, that's, I think, been the theme, is that God pursues us. And no matter how deep we go, so, or how low we go, as Lowe said, no matter how low we are in the water, um, God will come and pursue us, and he'll find us out. And sometimes, you know, coming out of Disney's testimony, sometimes we have a skewed perspective of God because of the fathers we've had or the, the leaders or the men that we've had in our lives, the overseers we've had in our lives. We have a skewed perspective of what God is like, God is the Father. And we need to turn to his word and see what the actual great shepherd is about. What is his true nature? Because it's been distorted in our minds by what we've experienced here. So let's go to his word and see like the true nature of the shepherd that we see in Psalm 23 that we see in Matthew 18. And then what came up in my devotions this week was uh, Mark chapter 5, um, where Jairus, so Jesus had uh, just, he'd just come across the lake on the boat, and as he gets to the other side of the shore, Jairus, who's the, the local leader of the synagogue, comes up to him and says, oh, my daughter's dying, can you please come with me? So Jesus starts heading off with him and his party, and then he gets intercepted by the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And she interrupts them, and now Jairus is probably looking at his watch thinking, oh, we're getting tight here now. And then while Jesus is busy with this other woman, messengers come from Jairus' house and say, your daughter's died. So the, there's two different messages here. The one for me personally in the week in my devotion was a message of patiently trusting, which was really what Jairus experienced there because he was now anxious because his daughter's dying and Jesus is now stopping to see to this woman who's a nobody. And then he's, so his faith is tested, and then the messengers come and say she's died. So now you know, his faith is tested again. So does he keep going, or does he, does he wait? And if you can just stick up verse 36. So Jesus ignored their comments, being the messengers, and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just trust me. But his faith was tested at that time. And then he gets to the house, and uh, everybody's weeping and wailing, and that's enough to also make you doubt and to lose your faith. But Jairus trusted and his daughter was healed, as we know this, the account. So that was the message for me personally. But what I want to bring across to you today is that Jesus went with the synagogue leader to raise his daughter. But he also stopped for the nobody. So it's like that same with a hundred sheep, the, the one that gets lost. Jesus didn't worry about the, or didn't not worry about the nobody. He goes after every single sheep. That's the heart of the shepherd is he doesn't want any single sheep to be lost. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm too far gone. I'm just, but we're never too far. As we know we saw with the prodigal son, we see with the lost sheep, Jesus pursues every single lost sheep to make sure that he brings them back. We never, we're never out of his picture. We're never out of his mind. Jesus thinks about every single one of us. And that's part of the mystery of God, you know, that he's um, all-knowing, that he doesn't just know all eight billion people on the planet, but he knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're feeling. And it's something that we can't comprehend. But that's, I mean, he knows each one of us and he's pursuing each one of us differently as well. So he knows Brian's got different interests to me. So he'll, and Des Disney looks at different billboards to me. God also speaks to me through billboards, but maybe I look at different billboards to her. So God will highlight things to us along our journey, depending on our personality and, and where we're at. 
Okay, the next question, why are we like sheep? And that's quite a negative connotation. So I think a lot of the people in the world will think, you know, I'm not a sheep. I'm, I'm a leader. I'm not a follower. I don't want to be called a sheep. I'm not interested. And that's often a lot of people in the world think it's very negative to be called sheep. Sheep are considered, I think a lot of people will, what did you say? Stupid. A lot of people consider sheep to be dumb or stupid and they just follow. And if the one runs off the cliff, they all follow and they just all run to their death. So there's often this view of sheep. But Isaiah, in Isaiah 53 verse 6, says, we, are, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. So Isaiah is calling us sheep there. And we, we need to humble ourselves and put ourselves in that position of sheep because we've got this great shepherd. So let's look at some of the things about sheep, and maybe some of them are a little bit negative. So some of the characteristics that we see in Matthew 9, when Jesus sees the whole crowd together, he says they, they um, harassed, harassed and helpless like sheep. I don't know if it's harassed or harassed, but they're helpless like sheep, he recognizes. In Matthew 12, he says, if your sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, won't you pull it out? So I think it's a good time to show them that, that video, if you've got it now, Nina, just to show a sheep in the pit. So I stole this from Andrew Selly, he used it at, at the previous gathering, and I think it's just a lovely picture of, of us. I mean, we do that as well. Um, Jesus takes, he rescues us today, and then tomorrow we're back in the same pit again, and we're gleefully jumping in like that sheep there as well. So, so if you don't remember anything else, remember that video, and try not to fall back in the same pit every time. Uh, Matthew 18 that we had up earlier, um, talking about the lost sheep. Why was he lost? Because he wandered away. So that's another thing that sheep do is they can wander away. And this is why um, your community leaders call you and say, hey, we missed you on Sunday or we missed you on Wednesday night. It's not because we're ticking off numbers and we, oh, now we were sorry, you know, now we won short and now I've got to report to Sunningdale. It's nothing like that. It's because we're concerned for the individual and we we know what it's like. If you miss one Wednesday, two Wednesdays, it's so easy to, to wander away. So this is why we follow up with people. It's out of love and out of concern that you don't wander away. It's not a checklist or a numbers game. So just please remember that if you get, if you get a call, it's out of love and it's out of concern for you. And then Matthew 26, where Jesus says, if you take out the shepherd, then the sheep will scatter. In the context of that, he was warning the disciples um, ahead of his arrest, that they're going to scatter. And they're like, no, Lord, don't worry, man, we're tough. And what happened? As soon as he was arrested, they run off and they're denying him. And, and that's what happens. If you take out the shepherd, the, skip, the sheep will scatter. And um, that's why, as Brian said, it's not a one-man show here in our church. You, we make sure that we, we function as a body and as a team because we've seen too many churches fall where if the leader falls, that, then the church falls apart. Um, and of course, our great shepherd will never fall, and we as the overseers in here need to work together to make sure that, um, that we're following the great shepherd. Another analogy that I heard in the week now as well was, if you take um, a sheep, is like taking somebody that lives in the jungle and dropping him in the center of London, saying, right, get on with it. He won't have a clue where to go, how to buy stuff, how to get transport, all that sort of thing, and 
That's, that's like a sheep is. A sheep is totally dependent on having a shepherd. So that person would need a guide to actually take them through London. And as sheep, we need to rely on the shepherd. We mustn't think we can do it on our own because we're going get, to get it totally wrong. Okay, and then lastly, my last question is, how do we get to, to know Jesus more? So how do we respond to this? Um, how do we respond to the nature of the shepherd? How do we respond to Jesus saying that we need to get to know him and have a relationship with him? So I've just got four things I want to mention under how we get to know Jesus more. The first one is to follow his commandments. So 1 Corinthians 8, if we can put that up. Now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. So I chose that scripture because a lot of people just pursue knowledge. So they think, yeah, well, I, I've memorized the whole Bible, or I can tell you where any scripture is, and, but are they acting on it? Are they following the commands that, they, that they're reading there? So we... As much as we need to spend time in the Word, we need to spend time acting on the Word and living that Word out and loving. So the more we add love to our knowledge, the more we will go out and, and follow Jesus' commands and love each other and serve each other. And then the other scripture. Uh, John, we are 1 John 2. And how can we be sure that we belong to Him? By obeying His commandments. If someone says... I belong to God, but doesn't obey God's commandments. That person is a liar and does not live in the truth. So that's quite, putting it quite harshly, but that's the bottom line. That we, we can't say we're children of God and we're following God if we're not following his commandments. It's like anything. If you say, well, I, I belong to this or I follow this, but you don't ascribe to the rules, then how can you say you actually belong? So we need to be following God's commandments if we say that we are children of God. Secondly, abiding in him. So, again, something that came up in the prayer meeting, John 15, abide in the vine. Um, that's something that we really need to be doing. And it's such a lovely text about um, Jesus being the branch and um, the vine, and sorry, Jesus being the vine, and we need to be the branches that abide in the vine. And if you're not in the vine, you don't produce fruit. So you've got to be growing and grafted into the vine if you want to produce any sort of fruit. So abide has been my password for this year, just so that it's permanently in my mind. So when I log into my computer in the morning, um, now I'm telling everybody my password, which seems a bit, <laughs> seems a bit crazy, but, but you, don't know what, you don't know what's capital and what's small letters. <laughs> so we're now on abide 05. Gina knows my password. We're now in the month of May, so we're on abide 05. So every morning I'm reminded to abide and to seek God and not to do it on my own. And that's in the workplace. So it's not like I have my devotion and then, right, that's done. Now we move into the workplace. Jesus must go with you into the workplace and you must abide in him in everything. So spending time with him. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that God shows much more of himself to some people than to others. Not because he has favorites, but because it is impossible for him to show himself to a man whose whole mind and character are in the wrong condition. Just as sunlight though it has no favorites, cannot be reflected in a dusty mirror as clearly as in a clean one. So I think he puts that quite beautifully there. That um, you know, Some people think what God loves them more, but God loves us all the same. It's just the lens that we're seeing it through. It just depends how dirty we are in terms of how much light we're reflecting. 
So we need to make sure our lenses are clean. We need to make sure that we clean so that we can reflect more of his light because he's pouring the same amount of light onto all of us. We don't want to be the people in Luke 13, 25 when Jesus says, but who are you and where do you come from? We want to be those people that Jesus knows when we get to heaven one day. And then if you can put up Philippians 3, 9 to 10. As a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I can learn what it is, what it's, I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So I can really know Christ and experience him. And that's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us not just to go through the motions, do our devotions. Um, are, we, are we actually tapping into him? So if you're struggling in that area, speak to an accountability partner, speak to your comm leader. And so I'm, I'm reading and I'm praying, but like Disney says, it feels like I'm praying to the walls. Help me, help me build this relationship. Help, help me tap into this Jesus that you talk about. So practically for me, I like to mix it up in my devotions. So I'll do um, study, I'll do prayer, I'll, some days I'll just focus more on worship. Um, but the important thing is that spending time. So again, it's not just about reading and a one-way prayer and signing out. You've got to allow God to speak back. Because building relationship, as we go right back to what I said in the beginning, when you've got a friend or a spouse that you're building relationship with, you build that relationship through a two-way relationship and conversation. So it's allowing time, just even driving in the car or sitting in your quiet place, just allowing God to minister to you and to speak to you. And God does speak through different ways. God will speak through his word. He'll speak through billboards, as we said. God can, just because music and TV is sometimes seen as a, as a bad thing, doesn't mean God can't use that as tools. God can use anything. God can speak through a donkey, as we saw in the Bible. So God can speak through unsaved people to us, through different types of media, social media, these things that we think will get in the way of our, um, and they often do get in the way of our relationship with God, but God can also use those to speak to us. Yeah, what, what I found as well now in the last month or two, so I've got two devotionals that I use as part of my, my devotions, and they're each just um, a one page that follow the year. And some days, so, so I mean God speaks through that to me, but some days they will have the exact same text, exact same scriptures on the same date. Then I feel like God is just bolding that for the day. You know when you send a WhatsApp and you can bold some of the text? I feel like God is WhatsApping me every day, but some days that's just in bold. Where he's saying this is something that you specifically need to take note of. I'm highlighting this to you. Third thing is spending time with these people. So we've been placed in communities. As Brian said, if you're not in a community, find out. Join, join a community because we need each other. As sheep, we need to be together. Uh, we are social animals that need to spend time with each other. And that's where we encourage each other with testimonies. Uh, we pray together. We pray for each other. We learn from each other. And we just love each other as well. And that's why there's so many faces here that I can call family. Because we just do life together. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 10. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and you will continually do good, kind things for others. All the while you will learn to know God better and better. So that was what Paul wanted for the, the church in Colossae, was to get to know God better and better. But in doing it in community. 
And the more we can do life together and the more we can read his word together and pray together, the, more, the closer we can get to him. But we do it and we support each other. It's difficult to do Christianity on your own. And COVID's caused people to say, no, but I can be a, a couch Christian or a TBN Christian. I'm quite comfortable here in my pajamas and my cup of coffee. Don't have to go out in the rain and risk getting sick. But we need community. We need to be doing this together. We cannot be walking alone. It's a tough world out there, and we are swimming upstream as Christians, and we've got to be working together in that. And then the last point is humbling ourselves, really surrendering our will. If we want the shepherd, um, if we want the shepherd to lead us and to train us and to teach us and to feed us, we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to be teachable. So we can't be all high and mighty and tough and, you know, South African men, we're tough. We don't need a leader. But we need, to, we need to be humbling ourselves, surrendering ourselves um, to the great shepherd. So if we look in 1 Peter 5, this is my last scripture. So this is quite a, a, a long text and it starts with the elders first. So to the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. So the first message is to the overseers in the church, the guys that are, guys and, or the men and ladies that are placed into leadership positions, to say, you've been given this responsibility, but this is what you need to follow. The same as what he says in Timothy, there's certain qualifications. Then we carry on. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So we are really just stewards of what the great shepherd. So the great shepherd says, these are my flock, and I've given you a few to take care of. You need to steward and shepherd them well. So I read that first just because the second part follows on from them. So young men, now we're speaking to the, the sheep, young men and women. In the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. So all of us need to, as I said earlier, we need to humble ourselves. We need to come here as the broken people we are and be honest with each other. So listen, I messed up and I need your help. That's, and that's why we have communities where it's much easier in front of 10 people than 150 people to say, listen, I messed up this week, and will you guys pray for me? But that's what we want. That's what we want in the church family, is that we're really honest with each other and supporting each other. Did I give you more scriptures? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the so the devil is out there and he wants to distract us. He wants to knock us off path. He's looking for the sheep that's just wandered slightly behind the one bush that he can just nab that sheep. So we need to make sure that we're with the flock, make sure that we're listening to the shepherd so that we don't get drawn away by the devil. I hope this was helpful. I don't really, I want to, the, the message that I wanted to bring across is that we, we really invest time in getting to know the shepherd, know his heart, when we truly understand his heart, we will think, well, just why didn't I do this a year ago or a month ago? Because I just feel so loved by the shepherd. I feel like he leads me, he guides me, 
and he's put me in a beautiful family as well. Amen.